Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. Today, we are reviewing In the Mouth of Madness, a movie that I cannot believe Mars had not seen, but I am delighted to correct that oversight today. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me, as I said, (laughs) to discuss this movie is the fictional version of Mars who brings about the end of all time and space, Mars! Ah, I wish. (laughs) I know. You can get, like, I feel like if you could just pause time and space for, like, a hot minute so we could just, like, nap. Right? Right? Sometimes I think about that, was it Twilight Zone episode where the guy wants to freeze time or whatever so Mm -hmm. he can read all the books and then he breaks his glasses? Yes, yes. Part of me is like... That doesn't sound bad, though. I would just be like, well, I guess I'm doing something else forever. Right? Mostly napping. I just want to pause. Are all the hammocks broken? Because I think we're still good to go here. (laughs) I will find a way. Today, I almost napped. I did the thing where I was like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm for 15 minutes. I'm just going to take a power nap. I closed my eyes and then a to-do list popped up in my head. And I was like, well, I'm getting back up. Oh, I hate that. Because there was no way I was going to get any rest because I was just going to be thinking about the things I needed to do. Yeah, and then it just becomes lying still very tensely for 15 minutes and you have to get back at it. I hate that. And now you're just 15 minutes behind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to be a child and not have any problems. (laughs) I know that this is an apocalyptic film and the world is coming to an end and it's done in a gruesome fashion. But, like, there's some part of me that's like, oh, but I'm so tired. Wouldn't it be nice if the world ended? Just lay down in the snow. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's a good nihilistic kickoff to an episode. Yeah. I think we're both in the either the. It's been a long week. The very right or the very wrong headspace for this, but I'm going to go with very right. I think so too. All right. Well, let's talk about positive things. What have you been up to? It's so bad that there's not really an, a positive answer to that. Wow. No, life has been wow. stressful. Life has wow, been real Mars. stressful. The most positive thing is that it's Friday right now. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, I can just escape responsibility for a while. It's going to be good. Okay, ask me that question. What's going on with you, Rachel? Well, I had something really amazing happen because I got to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see my friend in person. It already, I mean, honestly, it feels like it's been wow. a month since that. I know. it. Do, it a lot has happened since then, and it's been a week? Yeah, it's been like. Has it only been one week? It's only been like one week, hasn't it? Yeah. Holy, no, two weeks? Not even a week. Not Holy even shit! A week. I know. Oh my god. Oh, time is stretched. This is the worst time dilation ever. <laughs> that but, was really, that was a really great weekend, though. When he came to visit, and we got to just hang out, and oh my god. Got so drunk. My favorite. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the next morning it was pretty rough, but totally worth it. And I, like, in in Hurley's words, popped up like a goddamn daisy and was like, I'm ready to go. I don't know why. I don't know. You have some Wolverine-style metabolism that you just, like, alcohol just does not... You are of an age where you should be at least starting to fill alcohol. You're a grown adult yeah. before you feel it the next day. I fully spiral the next day. So I don't know how you do it. I don't know. But the <laughs> lover also was having a hard time, right? Yeah. So he understands. 
Yeah. But I got to meet the lover for the first mm-hmm. time. Yes. And he's awesome. We had so much fun. We would uh, like to know why Randall has not added us on the Oculus yet, but we can save that for another time, I suppose. You're getting called out, Randall. Why have you not added them on the Oculus yet? He hasn't gotten on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I, 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 I'm just saying, like, you know, there's no time like the present. He's going to get his Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's also had a bit of a week, to oh. be fair. Yeah. What is going on? Is this like a blood moon Mercury retrograde situation or something? Because I feel like everybody had a shit week. I feel like Mercury has retrograded into a live volcano. And this is just like reality hell. now. <laughs> yeah. But we did get a little brief window. We stayed at the same super fancy hotel. Yeah. Super fancy. It was crazy. Actually, it felt like a little like we were stepping into the world of the rich part of Blade Runner or something. I know. I know. And like, oh, I felt so out of place. I was like, I am not nearly fancy enough to be here, but somehow they let me in. I don't know. I have you. I I don't think I've ever stayed in a hotel where the lobby is not at the ground floor that you have to go up. Yeah. To get to the lobby. That is crazy. And then we didn't end up getting to eat at the rooftop bar because Portland and raining but when you go to the rooftop bar it's a weird you like get onto like a spaceship yeah is what it feels like. yeah I've only <laughs> been to departure is what it's called that rooftop mm. bar I've only been there once for a bachelorette party I mean we were all in our 20s and I greatly underestimated what that was gonna be like <laughs> and it was all my friends that like you know we we used to you know, hang out and get drunk on PBR and play King's Cup and stuff. So I'm like, oh, it's just this bar, whatever. And then I showed up after my coffee shop job in still my coffee shop clothes. And everybody else was like, all fancy in this fancy spot. And I was like, well, I have not Googled enough, it turns out. Yeah, I mean, well, then I had the reverse thing where I was like way overdressed for the essentially Dave and Buster's that they ended up at because they had closed that rooftop bar and this other one didn't give a fuck so they like left it open in the rain and we just found an overhang and sat under that. Yeah. (sighs) But it was great. We got to see Ariel. We got to have some questionable queso. Yeah, that was strange. That was super strange. It was it was questionable queso. It was. But I did have a lot of excellent the what was not questionable was the was the cocktails. Yeah. I say cocktails, but really I was just drinking bourbon neat. So yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It was so good to see your face and to see the love after all this time. I know. It was really, really good to see you guys. It just made me realize we gotta get up there way more often. And we will. We will. Yeah. We're already talking about the next time we're going up. Yes. So you have not seen the last of me, Mars. Excellent. <laughs> Especially now that our, our partners are best friends. I know, right? <laughs> I don't think they'll let us be separated. I know. <laughs> that was so cute. Like, we were deep in conversation and we looked over and we're like, <gasps> <gasps> our years-long plan came together. <laughs> What's happening? They're friends. <laughs> It was so funny because I was making Randy nervous being like, you're going to make a new friend today. You're going to be your friend. And he's just like, stop. <laughs> but whatever. It worked. <laughs> they bonded. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's at least a positive note, right? That that's is. something good. All right. Cool. 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 So let's let's get into this. Mars. It's been a while since it's been just the you and me. So can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is on this here podcast? 
So here on this podcast, we spoil everything from the beginning to the end and everything in between as much as I can remember anyway. Um, <laughs> like I said earlier, took some weird notes on this one, so I have no idea where, where we're going to go, but we'll find out. So if you haven't seen In the Mouth of Madness and you don't want to be spoiled, then I would pause this, go watch it. It is on Shutter right now. Mm-hmm. And then come back. I would say Unspoiled is best for this one. Yeah, there's some twists and some turns. I mean, if you're a big Lovecraft fan, maybe less likely to have things spoiled, but still, but still. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not entirely straightforward, and Mm-mm. I think that it would be worth it yeah. to go yeah. unspoiled. I guess there is a pretty big twist, so yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. sorry. I, I'm changing my, my answer. Don't <laughs> spoil this for yourself. All right, cool, 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 cool. So we are going to be talking about In the Mouth of Madness. Let me give you a little background for this movie. So In the Mouth of Madness is a cosmic horror film from 1994 directed by a little upstart of a horror director you may have heard of named John Carpenter. This is the third film in his quote-unquote apocalypse trilogy, which was preceded by The Thing, which actually I'm going to see in the movie theater tomorrow night. Oh, nice. Yes, they're doing like an anniversary showing. And I was like, yes, I would like to see this movie on the big screen. And The Prince of Darkness from 1987. So is this the first or the second or third of the Apocalypse Trilogy that you've seen before? I've seen The Thing. Okay, cool. Wait, have I? If you have not, we are absolutely going to be covering it on the show. <laughs> it has Kurt Russell in it, and he's in a, a station in Antarctica. Oh, yes, I have. Okay. Whew. I mean, honestly, I always have this moment where I'm shocked and horrified when people don't haven't seen something, and then I go, wait a minute, I get to show them this movie! This is amazing! <laughs> so it's like the best news when people haven't seen shit that I love. So I'm making Larry watch all kinds of stuff on Untitled Nick Cage. He had, he'd never seen Terminator, which I was like, mm, what? unacceptable. I know. He'd never seen Total Recall. I was like, what? Mm, unacceptable. And then I found out he's not seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. So I'm like, mm, unacceptable. Really? That. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things yeah. seem like they'd be right up his alley. That's strange. Yeah. I know. I, huh. he'd, well, he'd also not seen, remember he had not seen Alien or Aliens. He has these weird... Things where he feels like it's disloyal, like he's into Predator, so he felt like he couldn't watch Alien. I do remember that. Yeah. He, I love him. He's an awesome <laughs> one, but I love him. All right. All right. Let's get into this. So the film is an homage to the works of cosmic horror icon H.P. Lovecraft, and its title is based off the Lovecraft novel At the Mountains of Madness, which at one point Guillermo del Toro was going to be adapting. Oh, but. seriously? Because that's a good story. You know what sucks is two things got ruined by one movie. One of them was in the Mouth of Madness, and one of them was the Neil Blomkamp Alien sequel, which would have picked up after Aliens, you know, like a yeah. requel or whatever. Both of those got shut down by Prometheus. Oh. I know. Fucking sucks. Oh, that really sucks. Yep. Super bitter. Super bitter. (laughs) (laughs) The film was written by Michael DeLuca, who originally offered it to Carpenter, who who at first turned it down. And in 1989, New Line Cinema announced that the film was moving forward, but with a different director attached, Tony Randall, whose name may sound familiar to you because... vaguely. He directed a movie you loved. <laughs> Hellraiser 2. <laughs> uh. So funny. We, when we were hanging out the other night, we were like good and drunk. You're like, I hated Hellraiser 2. Like, out of nowhere. <laughs> I, hate, I really hated Hellraiser 2. I was like, okay, babe. <laughs> I believe you. Deep rooted. That hatred yes. is deep rooted. <laughs> So he ended up dropping out, and at one point, Mary Lambert stepped in to be the director, who is obviously famous for having directed Pet Cemetery. 
but she also dropped out. And finally, the project went back to Carpenter, who this time signed on in 1992. The film shot from August to October the following year in Ontario, Canada, because it had the perfect mix of rural pastoral settings as well as cityscapes that they could pass off as New York. And they shot it with a budget of $8 million. The visual effects were done by Industrial Light and Magic, and the practical effects were and creature prosthetics and animatronics, which we'll definitely be talking about, were done by K&B FX Group. It took seven weeks for them to create the practical effects for this, which is wild considering, especially the gigantic one we see towards the end of the film, which is 18 feet tall. Holy shit. It was mounted on rollers and operated by a crew of 25 people. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So the film was released in February of 1995 and debuted at number four at the box office. It went on to eventually earn about $9 million at the box office and like Many of Carpenter's films, especially things like, I don't know, The Thing, were considered a failure when it was first released, but it has gone on to develop a cult following, and it's now a very beloved title in his oeuvre. Okay, so here are some fun facts. There are several homages to Lovecraft throughout the film, including the structure of the film, beginning with a man who's been driven mad by something, recounting his story, which is told in flashback. The Pikmins who run the hotel are ba- a reference to Lovecraft's story, Pikmin's Model, which is a really great little short story if you've never listened to it. Oh, I'm, creepy. yeah, I've never read that one. It's really creepy. Sutter Kane's novels have similar titles to a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft stories. Like there's one that's The Whisperer of the Dark, which is basically The Whisperer in Darkness. The Thing in the Basement, which is an homage to The Thing on the Doorstep. Haunter Out of Time, which is an homage to Haunter uh, of the Dark or and Shadow Out of, the t- out of Time. And then Hobbs and Whore is a reference to Dunwich Whore. Oh, okay. Okay. A couple more fun facts. The film's main theme, which is heard at the opening and the closing, did it sound like any song you might know? It did. Vaguely, I couldn't place it. Well, apparently, John Carpenter really wanted to license Metallica's Inter Sandman. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But he couldn't get the rights. So instead, he decided to compose something himself. So along with Jim Lang and guitarist Dave Davies of the Kinks, he wrote the, the original song for the, the movie. But if you listen to it now, it's basically interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The car keys that Julie Carmen, who plays... um uh, Styles. Styles, thank you. Swallows were made out of pasta. Oh, weird. Which I was relieved to hear. Yeah. And this movie marks a feature film debut for a certain Star Wars icon. Christian Haydenson is the kid that he meets on the road at the end of the film. Whoa. Okay. Did not recognize him at all. What did I say? I said Christian Hayden. Oh, my God. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> right now, Larry is like throwing his phone against the wall somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, so I, w- I was like, I read that and I was like, what? And I went back and I pulled. Actually, I can send you a picture because I grabbed it. I did a screen grab because I was like, no fucking way. But it is definitely, I mean, it's him. Here you go. Here is the fetus of Hayden Christensen, which is his name, which I definitely always knew and would never have messed up. And said correctly immediately. Yes. Yes. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Right? I didn't recognize him when I watched it, but when I went back and looked, I was like, oh, yep. 
there he is. Yeah. Yep. And last thing, I don't know if you watched the credits because I always check to see if there's a post credit and there's a weird a disclaimer at the end. So after the ASBCA disclaimer about animals being monitored and unharmed and all that stuff, there's a follow up that says human interactions were monitored by the Intergalactic Psychiatric Institute. The body count was high. Casualties heavy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's what I got for the background of this movie. Let's get into this. Barzi, tell me about this movie. So this movie starts with the apparently Enter Sandman wannabe song covering <laughs> a uh, montage of a printing press of the Mouth of Madness. So our movie actually starts with an ambulance arriving at an asylum and delivering a new patient, Sam Neill, or John, who's claiming he's not crazy and, you know, and by doing so kind of blends in with everybody else who's also screaming that they're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Sam Neill, yeah, John. I keep I wrote Sam Neill for the longest time because I didn't have his name. <laughs> so it's gonna just slowly transition into the character name. I apologize. I am Fair so enough. brain dead right now. I have I have no idea how this is gonna go. We'll find out. It'll be interesting. I, like you said, this may be the exact way to talk about this. It's like a lightweight whisper of a fugue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a hint. A yeah. hint of a fugue. <laughs> a hint of a fugue. Just a whisper. Yes. Just a, just a teeny tiny bit of a, you know, break with reality. I think yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, and whether or not it is, that's what we're getting. Because it's been a week. Yeah. So John is in his cell, his padded room. And the guy who runs the asylum starts playing the carpenters to, I guess, try to calm people down. And John has an episode full of shattery figures and images flashing through his head and a shadow figure who says that he can't, he's not done because he hasn't finished it yet. Oh, man. Yeah. So later, like a psychologist arrives and he's going going to assess John and see what his level of, of crazy is. And when he is led to his room, the the guy who runs the asylum says that all he's asked for is a black crayon. And uh, he's decorated his room with a bunch of upside-down crosses and also his face and things like that. I got some strong Event Horizon Oh, vibes. for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right off the bat, it was very strong Event mm-hmm. Horizon. Especially all this. So the doctor goes in and he tells John that he's here to assess him and that he's going to try to get him out. But he's just, you know, he needs to figure out. You know, I mean, he says it in better doctor words, but like how crazy he is. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, don't you want to know about my them? My them. All? That which is a, honestly is kind of a great line. It is. Yeah. That, yeah. So John sits down with the psychologist and he goes into telling his story and how it all started because he was an insurance investigator who was investigating Sutter Kane's disappearance. Flashback. Mm-hmm. So now we start at the beginning of the story. That is leading us to John being in this cell. And it starts with a scene where John successfully uncovers a false insurance claim. And he's, you know, he's hot shit. He's good at what he does. And afterward, he's sitting down at a, at a, you know, diner with his insurance claim. One of my all-time favorite scenes in horror. Period. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they're sitting and they're talking. And basically, the guy is just telling John, you know, he doesn't. He thinks he should take a position with the the you know firm and not be a, like it wasn't I freelance is not the word is it I don't it's like a contracted yeah. investigator and it's a lot of just like 
oh, how are you this good? Things like that. And he's uh, kind of cocky about it. But meanwhile, in the background, they're across the street from a bookstore. And in the background, this very, very crazy man holding an axe just slowly wanders up to the window. Mm. And I actually really liked how long this was. We could see him the whole time. And it was, it actually created a tense moment because the two our two characters are just talking and don't see him at all until he hits the window with the axe. And everybody else is, you know, scrambling to get out of the way and freaking out because there's a crazy dude with an axe just walking slowly across the street. And I loved, I mean, it was cool to watch that scene unfold like that. Mm-hmm. And just the framing of it was. I almost wish they never cut to him. I wish they only ever stayed in the restaurant. I, and I you do. just watched him work his way across in the background. I do too. I think that would have been just so, so tense and creepy if we just did mm-hmm. one continuous shot of watching this guy just slowly make his way over. Yeah. But when he reaches the window, he cr- crashes through it with his axe. And he asks John if he reads Sutter Kane, and he's got those crazy double pupil. The double pupil eyes are amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. such a cool effect. They repeat that a couple of times in this. I mean, it's it's this physical manifestation of the broken mind. That they yeah. Have. Also, someone I was reading about this pointed out that one of the eyes is blue, which later on we see Sutter Kane has those brilliant blue eyes. Oh. oh. It may also be that he's seeing through those eyes as well. Because you, you do get those few, you know, moments of other crazy people who are like, he sees you. Uh-huh. Like, oh, interesting. I wonder. I wonder. Okay. I don't know. I don't have I like a definitive it. answer, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> so after this encounter, John meets with Sutter Kane's publisher because he's, you know, going to take this case of the Sutter Kane disappearance and whether or not the insurance claim is, is true and all that. And it turns out that crazy ask, axe guy was Kane's agent. And was the, I think, the only one who even saw part of the manuscript, right? Because that's a whole part of it is that they can't get the manuscript. So they want him to either go find out if Sutter Kane is dead or retrieve their property, the manuscript. Mm-hmm. And John also meets Kane's editor, Styles, who talks about how Sutter Kane's work tends to have an effect on readers. And, you know, her theory being that it's it's people who already have either mental health issues or weak minds or things like that who get affected by stuff really easily. And she tells John that they can't find this new book and how her last communications with Kane, he started to kind of talk about how he thinks his writing was real. Mm-hmm. So there, it gives this feeling of, well, Sutter Kane is the one who's losing his mind and he's shuttered himself away somewhere or, you know, trying to create his own disappearance, things like that. So John is, you know, I, I think at this point he's taken the case, right? But he's going to do yeah. some investigating on his own. So he goes to that bookstore that's still hugely in disarray from the crazy X-Man. And also, like, you know, we get into some new slip- snippets about how people are going insane over this book. And yeah. there are riots, riots because they can't, the yeah, they mm-hmm. can't fulfill, you know, the pre-orders and things like that. And while in this bookstore, John meets a fan who's starting to look crazy. I mean, he's starting to look a little bit like Patient X. You know, he's got weird sores on the side of his face. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. he just tells John that he can see you. Which is an ongoing thing we see. Start- yeah. This is, I think, the first time we hear that or see it. Mm-hmm. We also, we didn't mention it, but he's also working for Moses himself, Charleston, Charlton Heston. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was just like, it, it's so interesting to see the people that pop up in this movie. And, like, how much of that is the John Carpenter effect? How much of it is just the, at the time that it was shot? But it's there's these little tiny cameos of people that are kind of wild in this. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. And like for how little screen time he gets. He clearly was in for a day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he just knocked those scenes out in like 20 minutes and he was like, all right, back to part the Red Sea. Bye. I know. <laughs> he took his free lunch and he was like, thanks for the sandwich. What about his business? Exactly. So John, while at the bookstore, got some Sutter Kane books and he's going to start reading them so he can learn some more about Sutter Kane. And he kind of drifts off and starts having some crazy dreams about encountering it was kind of funny because we, i was watching this with the lover and it, the scene where he sees the cop beating up the homeless person mm-hmm. and i th- i 100 percent thought it was some sort of like back alley street fight club <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh a fight club oh never mind just your run-of-the-mill police brutality yeah. yeah like i think it hits a little different in 2022 <laughs> yeah that had <laughs> like a when little you saw it back then you were like whoa that's crazy now you're like oh that's wednesday okay got it <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah sadly yeah yeah oh god so he has some like some crazy dreams he's some crazy visuals the scene where all of the people show up with axes and start brutally murdering the editor and everybody has fucked up faces and stuff yeah one of the things i really liked about that scene is like there's a scene where he puts his hand up on the wall and he's missing a finger and yeah. it just was that little detail i i like i saw that and both of us went oh yeah like watching that <laughs> i mean because there's a lot of it is implied, and but there's that one pop of violence of seeing his finger. You're like, oh, they're just chopping him the fuck up. That, and I feel like typically that shot shows up in a lot of horror movies, but it wouldn't have been missing the finger. It would have just been blood hand, you know? I liked it a lot. I liked that they did the missing finger in that part. Yep, I agree. I know, it's a really cool scene. So John wakes up from his dreams and starts just a madman scrapbook project. And because somehow, I don't know, this... it. Like, I understand that it came to, a, a, it had a reason, right? But when you're watching this, even when it turns out that it's a map, when he's cutting these book covers apart and piecing them back together to create this map, if he had shown up and been like, it's a map, everybody would have been like, okay, John. Right, right. I mean, it works, but it also kind of plays into this thing we're introduced to him where he says that he's like, you know, a paranoid schizophrenic and the, he's behaving in that way. So it could really kind of go either way at this point of what he's doing. Like, it could be that he has actually cracked the code or he could just be in a deep psychosis and seeing patterns where they don't exist. Yeah, it felt kind of like a who is Pepe Silvia moment. You know, <laughs> he's just frantically cutting these covers apart and then mm-hmm. showing it. People will be like, do you see it? It's a map. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nick Cage comes in and is like, wait, 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 where's the Declaration <laughs> right? of Independence? Where's the map? What map? Oh my god, I just looked up who Pepe Sylvia was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a literary reference that I'm going to pretend to know. Oh no, it's it's always sunny. God, <laughs> God, God. <laughs> yeah, you know, the highbrow content we deliver here. I don't here. know, you read a lot, you're a smarty. <laughs> you know things. <laughs> oh God. But it like, I don't know. So anyway, it turns out that John thinks he's created a map to Hobbs End, which, you know, they've said doesn't exist, but thinks that that's where Sutter Kane is holed up writing his novel. And then he thinks that these, this is a map and that it'll get him there. And so he decides to go and Styles goes with him to help him find Sutter Kane. So they take off into a fun little road trip where she just starts getting real weird about reality. And it was one of those conversations where, like, I felt like if I had been Sam Neill, stuck yeah. in this car with this person I just met who started yeah. just saying very strange things about reality and, you know, whatever, I'd kind of just be like, cool. 
So do you want to listen to the radio? Yeah. Although he's such a sleaze at this point. Yeah. He pins her against a wall while he's asking her out. He's taking pleasure in taking people down. He, you know, he's kind of a slime. Or, or that moment where he wakes her up with the horn in the car. He's so arrogant that he would like. I think he would just be. You know, I don't. I don't think he. I think he's above feeling like he needs to be worried about these kinds of things. He's such a sleaze. Yeah, I guess so. And it seems like probably you know who he is at this point in the movie does seem very like he's like. I'm going to see where this goes. I bet I have a bunch of smart stuff to say about this. You know? Right. Or like, oh, this is all part of the act you're trying to get. No one pulls the wool over old John's eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> little does he know. <laughs> so later, Styles is driving and this, and we start getting, I mean, like, super weird stuff happened in the beginning. And then we get a moment of just like, I mean, there's the editor crashing through the window, but most of it is relatively normal and based in, you know, everyday life. And Styles driving is the first time that things start getting super, super surreal, where she passes the boy on the bike. The boy on the bike passes her, and then, or no, it's the other way around. She passes the boy on the bike, and then he passes her, but he's an old man, and scares the shit out of her, and she hits him with the car, and he says something about how he won't let him leave, and all this. And then she's, like, driving on clouds, and then it's, like, aliens, and then it's daylight. (laughs) Yep. Yep, yep. Then she's on the Beetlejuice bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have, movies have taught us anything. It's nothing good happens on the other end of a covered wood bridge. If you see yeah. one, turn around, fucking run. <laughs> nothing good is going to happen. It should be like that. one of those fake dis- statistics, like nine out of ten covered bridges are portals. <laughs> <laughs> fake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am unconvinced. <laughs> I mean, the reality, the proof. Yeah. Weird things happen when you cross covered bridges. It's true. It's just a fact. I'm sorry. I don't trust them. We had to, we were up in Astoria over the weekend when we were visiting you. We had to drive out on a dock and it sounded a lot like that. It was, I, I'm still, I don't, it said you could drive on it, but I don't, it sounded, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. There's a bridge in Portland. I mean, you Everybody, drive. it's it's a road, right? It's not yeah. like it's a major. It's a major bridge. It's a road, but for some reason, the large section of it is just like metal grating, basically. Obviously, it's sturdy enough to hold cars and traffic and stuff. It's not rickety, but yeah, driving over it always made me so fucking nervous because you can see down and it like the sound it makes. I don't know something about it. I'm always like, yeah, this can't be safe. This yeah, can't be right. I mean, I never trust a bridge anyway. I don't know. Maybe it's the maximum overdrive in me, but I never trust a bridge. I don't know. I don't, I like don't know it. why, but I feel like that's uh, no imagery. Perfect t-shirt, though. Just text. Never trust a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another t-shirt for the stream queen. <laughs> yes! We need to start collecting these somewhere. We need, like, a dock of things that we're going to turn into t-shirts and then just unleash a bunch of print t-shirts. Yes! Oh, my gosh. Okay, Never on. trust I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start it at the top of this dock. We're just going to keep a running thing here. T-idea. I'm actually like fully on board with this. Like, I... never trust a bridge. <laughs> Quote dash the stream queens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's locked into our dock. We've got it. Yes. <laughs> so Hobbs makes it through the covered bridge. It's daylight. John wakes up and is like, "Oh, I must have slept through the whole night." And she's like, clearly very upset by everything. <laughs> I do love her. Like. You drive. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you drive now. Uh, 
I'm drinking. It's Friday. It's been a week. <laughs> yes, you earned some drinks, girl. And even if you didn't, do you, boo? Currently, it's the watermelon lime smash from White Claw. I'm very much loving. It's the surf pack yes. or whatever where everything's kind of surf. sour. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So they finally make it to Hobbs End, but it's pretty much deserted except for like one poor dog and a herd of vision children that only Styles can see. <laughs> oh my god. Do not like these kids, by the way. Not a fan. They're chasing a dog. Do not like. And it doesn't end well for the poor dog. It does not end well for the poor dog. So I had never seen this before. I didn't know where it was going. But, you know, the way Styles acts from this point on was always so strange to me. You know, she's seen children that she confirms with John that John can't see. And she's just sort of like, oh, no. Not like, fuck. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, all the stuff that happens in the inn where she, like, is having some sort of memories, even though she's never been there before kind of thing, and she's, like, not concerned about it. In the end, it makes more sense. But yes. in the moment, I was like, why is she not... Why are you doing the hiding a zombie bite? Like, yeah, stuff? and also, John, you should be a bit more concerned. Right. That this woman is like, I've never been here before, but there's a loose board, and that there used to be a painting, and all this. And I'm like, John should be paying a little bit more attention, Right. all right, I've got to right. say. Right. So as I was saying, uh, Styles directs them to a house that she's never been to before, to this inn, and she's having memories about things and like, oh, once there was so, you know, once this was full of growing things and all that, and John's just kind of like, oh, I think I stepped in something, and Styles is going <laughs> on about whatever, and John's not paying attention. John and Styles check into the inn, and then Styles starts going on again about how Kane's work isn't fiction, and they start to identify some locations. From Kane's book, namely a actually really cool looking church. Yeah. Yeah. So they go out to inspect said church when a mob speeds up to the church with guns and everything and starts demanding that they quote unquote give him back. Led by um, Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. From, and this was actually like, sisters too. <laughs> I kind of thought this was cool, uh, and how the doors just keep slamming open and shut, open and yeah. shut, revealing the the boy that I'm assuming is who they want back. Yeah. And then one of the times it opens, and it's just an adult man. Yep. Yep. It's a great intro for him. I did. Yeah. The type of character that he is, this mysterious kind of sinister, but with a twinkle in his eye villain is kind of a perfect way to, you know, like wind blowing through his curly locks. Yes. Intro. (laughs) Yes. And then as kind of per usual in this kind of situation, a pack of Dobermans appears and runs the men down. (sighs) Poor Dobermans. Yeah. Dobermans are such sweet dogs, and they have such a bad rap. I know. (sighs) We had Dobermans growing up, and they they were the sweetest dogs. They really are. And they're kind (laughs) of nervous, aren't they? Don't Dobermans tend to have, like, kind of anxiety problems? Uh, I mean, they're not as bad as, like, a Dalmatian. I mean, like, who doesn't, really? Yeah. I mean, they just know things. Maybe they just know more than we do. Like, <laughs> we all have just been slowly embracing our inner Doberman <laughs> as life has beaten uh, the anxiety into us. It's anxiety, but also exha- exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm nervous, but I'm so tired of being nervous. Right. I mean, that's the thing is you just you're so nervous to wear yourself out and then you're too tired to be nervous for a little while. And then that lowers the anxiety and then you have more energy and then the anxiety comes back. It's great. It's a beautiful it's a cycle of life. Oh, it's just this until we die. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got to get that commune and get out of society. Somebody you. unleash the Elder Gods. <laughs> I know. I'm ready. 
It's either Elder Gods or Operation Buy an Island. Those are the only two options we have left. Uh, it's bleak. It is bleak. It is bleak. <laughs> that's why we drink. That It's bleak, and that's why we drink. <laughs> so, back at the end, Styles is further convinced that the books are real, and John's getting weirded out by shit and says he tries to leave. Has a strange conversation with the innkeeper who is suddenly I mean, like, like I'm not trying to kink shame, but no. this seems this seems non consensual. It does. Me. It very much <laughs> seems non consensual. Because it's revealed that she's got her naked husband handcuffed to her ankle behind the counter and kicks him when he tries to make noises. And uh John, who kinda witnesses something weird going down, is just sort of like, um, yeah, I guess I'm just gonna dip. So I mean, he goes to get a beer, and he meets one of the local townsfolk uh, who gives him the standard, like, leave while you can kind of speech. Yeah. Meanwhile, Styles goes back to the church, where she meets with the demon children, and that... So sad. Who have hurt that poor dog. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. No, but the effects on that little girl's face, he's yeah. telling her, like, oh, but you're my mommy, and it's mommy's day, or whatever, Ugh. which I don't like the tone that I just said that in. That made it creepy. Ugh. Yeah, I didn't care for that. It was a different kind of creepy, <laughs> and it's mommy's day. No, it's gross. Gross, 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 gross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I just realized, I don't think there's any teeth stuff in this one. No, I think everybody's shod. Yeah. Fully shod. Good for them. Good for everybody keeping your shoes on. I'm going to take a quick moment to open another White Claw case. Okay. I will warn you, there is some foot stuff in everything everywhere all at once. It's not foot violence, but there's prolonged foot shots. For very good plot reasons, but there's some piano playing by foot. What? It's When I tell you that's the least weird thing that happens in that movie. Uh-oh. No, it's amazing. It's Still incredible. excited. Still want to see You're, it. Oh, yeah. it's it's it, You'll be fine. Because there's just so much other stuff that you won't even be able to, like, you'll, the dazzle camouflage of it. Okay. <laughs> What's crazy is, though, is it connects to, like, a really deeply emotional moment. Where oh. You're, like, so moved by the foot thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. But, Mars, I know a secret. You know, I'm, I, won't, I won't repeat it here on the show, but you told me things. I did, and it's a very specific circumstance but <laughs> yes that is true that is very, very specific true. circumstance <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> my body temperature just shot through the roof <laughs> I, was, I was a, a, a gog when i heard the thing as was i <laughs> Love there was strange, a lot of man. soul searching that occurred in the hours afterwards Power of love is all I'm gonna say. Oh, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, okay. but as I was saying, the the little girl who talks to Styles with the pointed teeth and decaying face. Oh, I really, really love that practical effect. I thought that looked really cool. Mm-hmm. So, John returns to the inn where he sits down with another cane novel, and Styles continues to investigate this church. There's like some inverted cross imagery, so you know that's a sign. Of yeah. Things. I did actually kind of like the subtle upside down crosses, though. How they were in the sconces. Yeah. Was kind of cool, I thought. Yeah. Good set design. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of wandering around. She hears a typewriter. So she's following that sound where she finds Kane writing. I, for a minute, forgot that she's his editor. 
so he knows mm-hmm. her because then he mm-hmm. just he greets her because he knows her and he gives her this speech about how he thought he was making this up the whole time but really they were telling him what to write i love a lot of the stuff that he said in this scene yeah it's where he's cool. talking about how they've they were telling him what to write the whole time those horrible slimy things trying to get back in mm-hmm. oh like, i thought i was already getting hp lovecraft feelings yeah from the you know monster imagery anyway and right. covers of the books and things but things like that anywho so john trips and he falls and when he wakes up he's out in the road with the manuscript where he meets a paper boy who will grow up to be darth vader that's so crazy yeah <laughs> oh shit yep have you ever seen i know this is sort of a segue but have you ever seen frequency Pre- uh... it's got um is that the one where he has like a radio where he can hear his dad? Or yeah. Something? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think. I mean, it's been a million years and I barely remember it, but I have seen it. Okay, I love that movie and we just watched it the other night, so it's like fresh in my memory. But there's in the the current day setting with, uh, I can't say his last name, and I don't, I think his first name's John. He played Jesus. That's all. Oh, Jim Caviezel? Jim Caviezel. When he's the current day or whatever, and his best friend's grown up and has his own kid. And I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but this is the first time I noticed that his kid is played by a very, very young Michael Sarah. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, huh, that kid looks like Michael Sarah. And it's Michael Sarah. Anyway, that's, <laughs> oh, I, so I had flashbacks okay. of that moment when you're like, oh, and that was Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Holy shit, it was. So he meets this paper boy and asks him how. To get, you know, have you ever heard of Hobbs End? And the kid says no and directs him on how to get out of town. The thing about this part of the movie is I was like, oh, so we're basically done, you know, but we're not done. There was so much more movie after this. So John manages to hitchhike his way to the next town over where he gets a hotel room and receives a package and it's the manuscript. Yep. Because he left the black bound one that Kane gave him. He left that one at ironically the crossroads where he woke up right right yes but then he gets a copy in the mail and he burns it and gets on a bus to go back home and then he falls asleep and while he's sleeping kane appears next to him this was kind of cool where he's like he's still trying to convince john that he's writing all this and that all of this this you know quote-unquote reality is not real and john's not real and it's everything that kane wrote and he says the you know did i ever tell you my favorite color is blue and then when John wakes up, everything is blue. It's a cool shot. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You can see all those, these, these are the sense that got him into the asylum thing, you know, because he wakes yes. up screaming and people are like, oh, you're just having a bad dream. And then he's just so irate that everybody's still telling him that Hobbs End isn't real and never existed and it's not right. there and all this. Right. So anyway, we go back to book publisher's office where john is recounting this whole story to him to explain why like yeah we, you know we went out we followed the map we found sutter kane this is what happened when we got here it's crazy and then he finds out many things mm-hmm. that i didn't see coming at all how good because usually you're so good at catching all the twists oh i didn't see any of this yes excellent yeah the publisher tells him that styles never existed he doesn't know who he's talking about and he sent john alone and he says that john delivered that manuscript months ago it's been published for weeks and the movie's about to come out (laughs) and you know also there's a bunch of violent crimes so now john is the crazy axe man with the crazy pupils or no he doesn't have the crazy pupils, or does he i don't think he does but he goes to the bookstore where he kills a guy that's starting to have the crazy pupils because yep 
And that gets him landed in the asylum. So now we're back to present day where John has just finished telling his story to that psychiatrist. And he, the doctor has listened to this whole story and it's like, I mean, clearly this dude's insane, right? That's his assessment or it's going to be. And then John tells him that things are just going to get worse out there and he'd rather stay because it's safer. It's safer in there. Mm-hmm. So the doctor leaves him, tells the, the guy who runs the asylum that he didn't get anything useful out of him, meaning, you know, I'm guessing he didn't get anything that could convince him that John is sane at all. And that one of the, the things that he thinks crazy John is crazy for thinking is that Sutter Kane is causing, quote unquote, the epidemic. Yes. So John's left in the room. He's alone in his room, starts having all sorts of visions of violence and whatnot. And then his door kind of pops open. And he leaves his room to find that the asylum is empty and covered in chaos and blood and broken shit. I loved all the torn scratches in the door that let you know that this was not just your run-of-the-mill violence. Something with claws tried to get into that room. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And so he leaves the asylum, and it's very 28 days later because there's no people, and there's just broken chaos. Everything's destroyed. And he walks past the movie theater that was showing the movie where it mentions with John Trent Mm -hmm. and he goes in to watch the movie and it's him it's it's his experiences and so he just eats popcorn and laughs his way into oblivion I mean what are you gonna do when you find out that reality is not reality and you are not the protagonist of your story but the pawn of someone else's story all you can do is laugh right I guess and I mean popcorn yeah, popcorn. See, too bad I didn't have nachos, am I right? Oh, yeah. See, that's if you're going to go out at the end, right? You go straight for the, you got to get the hot cheese sauce. Like, And I think, honestly, at that point, it would just be like, I don't even need the pretzel. I don't need the chips. I'm just going to put the straw and just <laughs> nacho cheese because it's the end I of really the world. Want a pretzel. When we go to Astoria next time, I'm taking you directly to Bowie Beer. And I'm going to order, like, everybody gets their own order of pretzel. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I split mine and I was like, mm. instant regret (laughs) it was the most delicious pretzel i think i've ever had in my life oh my god i love which is saying a lot because pretzels are fucking good even when they're not (laughs) yeah right (laughs) even a mediocre pretzel is still fucking good yeah it's great and this one was the best like so good then i had like a caesar salad with smoked salmon on it oh stop oh my god and then like a super tart beer it was amazing anyway I'm hungry. Can you tell? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, okay. This was a first watch for you. Yes. What did you think? Did I overhype it? Did you like it? What did you think? I don't want to hurt you. Oh, oh. I would give it, honestly, C+. Plus really? Plus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just, it wasn't bad. I would never say that it's a bad movie or I didn't like it. It just, so much of it was like, okay. And we're watching a movie. Okay. And every once in a while, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. But there wasn't really anything to it that really made me go, oh, I'm going to either watch this again or recommend other people to watch it. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's sure. just something about it that was just sort of like, yeah, this is your standard 1995 horror movie. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's a totally fair opinion because it's fully subjective. That's totally okay. And like pluses to it, the practical effects are really good. Mm-hmm. The, the general story, that's, I think, really what got me f- 
what got it for me was that I felt like the story didn't pick up until the last 30 minutes. Mm. So it felt like a lot of just sitting and waiting for something. Gotcha. And it just, the timing was off for me. I think if it, like the pacing was off. I think if it had been paced differently, and I don't know if I'm just one of those people that I have like no attention span anymore. (laughs) So I need, I mean, that's fair. (laughs) That could honestly be very true. But regardless of whether or not I, this is like my post COVID brain that can't latch onto anything that's not interesting all the time or whatever it still just felt like a lot of just sitting there and being like "Uh uh-huh yeah i get it he's kind of a dick and there's weird shit going on okay and then the last 30 minutes or so that's really where the pickup happened but it happened so late Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. that when it was over it was kind of like yeah that was the movie okay fair enough (laughs) i I mean and that's totally okay not every movie is gonna hit for everybody and that's totally fine i personally really love this movie because to me it is very much a great representation of a lovecraft story even in terms of its structure like we're introduced to him he's already gone mad right and he's recounting this tale of how he basically uh, well gained access to a knowledge that broke his mind that is very lovecraftian and then this sort of jaded character going into this world very cynical and and doing an investigation as slowly things are revealed and then you have the big moment of like oh my god it's like this cosmic or mind shattering experience like it perfectly fits that formula but if you don't have the attention span or that's not connecting with you i could see why that, if that p- appeal doesn't exist for you, of course you're not going to like it. That makes sense. But I, I love it. I also think there's like a lot of really great moments in it. Like the the guy breaking into the coffee shop through the coffee shop window is amazing. All of the practical effects are really creepy. I don't know. I just, for me, I liked, I was, I didn't feel like those parts were boring because I was drawn into the mystery of it. But yeah. And I mean, like, you know, different folks. And I love a slow burn mo- movie, but this didn't really even hit me as a slow burn movie it kind of mm-hmm. just hit me as a and we're watching him ignore the signs and ignore the signs and now he's driving and see i didn't take it as him ignoring out. the signs because he's convinced that they're trying to pull a fast one so the stuff to him he's not reacting because he's like mm-hmm. nice one nice try Nice try. I know what you're doing because he's the ultimate cynic. So what happens is it puts him in a position where he can't protect himself or recognize danger signs because he's so confident in his own, like, no one's pulling this over my eyes. So, yeah. I mean, no, I definitely see that. I don't know. It just, this one just didn't hit it for me. That's fair. That's fair. I would never call it a bad movie, but it just kind of was average for me. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, if you decided, you know what? Maybe I missed what made this movie a movie. Maybe I want to try it again. What would you pair with the film for that rewatch? Oh, you know, it would be kind of on theme and also like on theme with my own opinion with it. Kraken rum came to mind. Oh, it's tentacles. And I don't hate rum, but I don't love it either. All right. I think that's good. And you know what? I really like Kraken. So it works. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, for you at home who've seen this or watched it for the first time, what did you think of it? Do you have some thoughts, some feelings, some suggestions, some non sequiturs, whatever the case may be, you should definitely get in touch. You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page, or you can slide into our DMs on Twitter and Instagram at ZG Podcast Plural. Love it if you gave us a follow there. Ariel's killing it with the meme game. She keeps our social media going and 
we're a good follow. We're a good follow. You want to check us out. If you like the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're getting your pods, including Spotify, where you can give us a nice five-star rating, should you be so inclined. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight because you've already seen this one, you need something new to watch, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the Celebrity Girls website where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening there. There's a lot of good stuff coming out. Uh, we're in, It's technically summer, but we're inching towards fall. So like stuff is starting to pick up. There's a lot of good stuff coming up soon. So definitely go over there to keep track of all the stuff as it comes. And if you uh, want to get some cool, you want to get a t-shirt before we roll out our next new t-shirt. So you can say like, oh, I had it. The original. You can check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you want to support us with a little key-ish money. And get a lot of really cool perks in return. You should definitely check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. You get extended episodes. You get bonus episodes. You get live episodes. You get to hang out on our Discord. There's a lot of good stuff, dude. Check it out. All right. So that is it for plugs. Except for I did want to mention a couple of other places that you could find yours truly recently. I had the genuine pleasure of hanging out with our good buddies over at Trick or Treat Radio this week. I joined Johnny, Raven Shadow, and Aries to talk about a little movie called Every Any, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I keep wanting to get that wrong, which we had a blast talking about. As always, we laughed. There was a lot of butt plug talk. <laughs> a, a shocking amount of butt plug talk. <laughs> really shocking, though. I feel like. I mean, in sheer volume, I mean, like that butt plugs came up, not shocking. <laughs> How frequently and <clears throat> in depth we get in our butt plug talk, it's a little surprising. <laughs> Even for me, it's a little surprising. But it's a great show. It's a great podcast. If you're not listening to them, you should be. They're awesome. And then also, you should always, every Monday, or I guess it comes out every Tuesday on YouTube, you should check out Outpost Dome, Outpost Dome, Outpost Dooms uh, YouTube channel. The show is called IOU. Myself, I'm frequently on there almost every Tuesday, along with a few of the other guys who are were formerly of the Splattercast, Dead Lantern. You probably, maybe you found this podcast because because of the years that we did that show. So if you've been missing those guys in your life, Jeff, Matt, uh, DJ, although you get DJ on um, Catholic obviously, but you want more DJ, Steve. Ronan, uh, our good buddy Bort from Sweden was on the latest episode where we just kind of bullshit about whatever is kind of going on in pop culture that week. It's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of stuff that probably has to get cut. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm not in charge of that. So, but definitely check that out over on YouTube. All right. So that just leaves our plan for the next episode. Marzi, what are we watching next time? So. I don't know if anybody remembers, but a while back we reviewed The Boy and unearthed Rachel's fear of people in walls. Dude in the wall. The Dude scariest the genre of them all. <laughs> I'd so, rather have a demon than a dude in the right? wall. <laughs> mm. I'd, have, I'd rather have a demon in the room than a dude in the walls. For real. <laughs> Especially when it goes, kiss. Oh, God, kiss. I forgot. Oh, I'll never forget it. <laughs> Is that like your, is that your sleep paralysis demon? Yes, you're just yes. Finally drifting off to peaceful sleep, and then all of a sudden, yeah. oh, like Ugh. nothing grosses me out more than a grown ass man baby talking. I'm just like, oh, 
Well, then you'll be glad to know what? that the movie I've chosen next is Brahms, The Boy 2. Ah! You know, I can't <laughs> believe I haven't actually seen this yet. You would, As the one person that loves The Boy, you would think I would have run to the theater to see this, but I actually have not seen it yet. And it came out in 2020, so it's been out for a little bit. I mean, time is weird in the last time few is years. Weird. It could have been last week. It could have been a decade ago. Who fucking knows? Man. Yeah. But yeah, I, where do I, where can I watch this? I'm sure to, it's going to be a masterpiece film. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We're kind of rolling the dice because it's a sequel. You know how I feel about sequels. Yeah. And doesn't it have Katie Holmes in it? It does indeed have Katie Holmes. Which could really go either way because the gift the is amazing. All these factors are crapshoots. We will not know until we watch. I've not seen it. You've not seen it. It is streaming on Netflix right now. Okay. So that's that's what I'd like to challenge us with next. I <laughs> hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> I mean, either way, it's going to be fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Great. So well, I guess that's it for us this week, unless you're sticking around for the extended episode where we're going to be, we're going to find out which Lovecraftian elder god we are as well as maybe some spooky church related stories Ooh, okay yeah so you don't want to miss that all right marzi it is time take us out as always thank you so much for listening and coming back i hope that you liked in the mouth of madness me I know too I an average <laughs> review but you know that's just that's just me that's just my feelings maybe if i watch it a second time but i probably won't watch it a second time but <laughs> Come back in a couple of weeks. We are going to be watching Brahms the Boy 2 on Netflix. I'm excited about it, even though I fully recognize that it might suck because sequels are rough. But here's hoping. So (laughs) watch it on Netflix. Come back and we'll talk about it. And uh, good night, folks. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to Mars for always being willing to geek out about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel Messman-Rucker. And our theme song for this show is Die Historic by Three Chain Links. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode where we're going to be finding out some more dark information about ourselves, including which Lovecraftian elder god we are. Do you have any theories of who you might be? Do you have any knowledge of the pantheon of Lovecraft? I don't. You know, like, as much as I say that I love, it's more so that I love that concept, but I haven't actually read a lot of Lovecraft. Mm. I've read, I mean, I've read In the Mountains of Madness. I've read, I, somehow I ended up with, like, a little really, really old book of, like, Lovecraft short stories or, like, mm-hmm. novellas. Mm-hmm. And so those, those are the only ones that I've read. Um so I don't have a whole lot of actual like knowledge. That's fair. I, I just mean, like the vibe. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean because I think you are introduced to the vibe before you actually, a lot of times, actually read the the source material. And there's some really great stories, and I can direct you to those. And I would highly, highly suggest as a companion if you decide to read all of the works to go to the. There's a, a podcast. I'll send you a link to. Um, like. The society, like historical society of whatever, I'll, 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 I and I will put it in the show notes for people that want to know what it's called. Uh, but they go like story to story and do analysis on it, and it's great. Oh, I okay. will warn you, he was a racist piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Gosh, that I hate that. I really, I mean, he was a sad, pathetic, pathetic little man who loved led a sad and pathetic little life. So like, 
karma got him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if that helps at all, but there are definitely moments where I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> Come on, man. Just let me enjoy yeah. the Elder Gods. I don't need this shit. I don't so, need additional guilt for liking this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I think you can appreciate. I mean, here's the thing is if we didn't like the works of every racist piece of shit out there, we would have very little that predated the 90s. That's also I mean? true. That's so, also like, very true. I think you have to always, like, when you're talking about Lovecraft, contextualize it and, like, this guy had some really cool creative ideas, but he was also a utter piece of shit <laughs> yeah separate the art from the artist i guess at some and he's point. dead you know what i yeah. mean like he's not what is he from benefit- my fandom. right right he's not <laughs> cashing any checks on a, a my enjoyment of of concepts that he came up with if he was still alive we'd be having a different conversation but he's like fully rotten in the ground um, yeah and probably in hell for being a racist piece of shit yep, yep. um love let me just find this one because I can already hear Cat being like, well, what's it called? Um, okay. It's called the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Okay. If you want to go through and, and um, there are like a lot of times you can find people who are doing like dramatic readings of them. If you don't want to actually like sit down and read it because some of it, because of the way it reads, it's a little dry and like it, it's easier, I think, to, um, you know, listen, listen. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, actually, I haven't l- listened to this but there's something called the complete hp lovecraft podcast although they have not updated till it's 2018 so i don't know how complete this actually <laughs> is but there is somebody there are some people who are reading these online so anyway i love i love the the world building that he has done so i i feel conflicted about my recommendation but fuck it i enjoy i enjoy the world okay so well it doesn't matter if you don't know any of them because you're about to learn which one you are anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take a little quiz and find out? Yes. All right. So this is called, hold on, let me find the name of this here podcast. Or, okay. It's called Which Cthulhu Mythos Deity Are You? And it's on Zimbio. And I will put a show link in the show notes. 